everyone. Hey everyone. It is Friday night. Friday night. It is Samanka night. This is the uh, the second Friday of the month, I think it is. Second Friday of June. Second Friday of June, so which means it's Samanka time. And I am going to uh, uh, do what I do. I'm going to preach. And so this is going to be a fun night. I've, I've been having a lot of conversations lately with people. And uh, uh, I mean, just, just across the board, stuff that everything from nuts to bolts to soup to everything. Um, and I've been trying to figure out how to, how to align and, and, and get everything to make sense in one sermon. And I was saying, what, what is, what is the, the thing that ties all these conversations together? Uh, I've talked to college kids. I've talked to people that are really angry with God. I've talked to people who are having uh, sin issues. I've talked to people that, um, are, are trying to get deeper in their faith. I've talked to people who are taking steps backwards in terms of maybe addictions. I've talked to people that are struggling with family dynamics and dysfunction. Uh, and I came to the conclusion, uh, probably like this morning, that the thing that we got to talk about tonight is the results of the cross, the results of the cross. And what I mean by that is, what exactly did Jesus do on the cross? Um, there's some bad theology out there, but I want to I want to talk biblically about uh, what that means to us, what happened on the cross and what it means to us, because it's really, really important. Now, if you go to church, y'all, y'all know that Jesus died, um, was crucified. He, he was buried on the third day. He rose, right? He was resurrected. He hung out with the guys for 40 days and then he ascended into heaven. And, and, uh, that because he overcame death and, and, uh, overcame Satan, uh, he, he, he has, he has ushered in a, a new covenant of eternal life for believers. I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's the thing, right? John three sixteen, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's whomever shall believe unto him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Okay. That's the basics of our faith. That's the foundational pieces. But you know me. I, I want to get past kind of the churchy language on this and get into the nuts and bolts of how do we live based upon what Jesus did on the cross. Because a lot of people are living as if he didn't die and he didn't rise. They, they don't understand the significance of the cross. And, you know, it's not that they're, they're, they're bad people or bad Christians. They just don't understand really who Jesus is. And so I want to kind of talk to you about the Jesus I know and uh, kind of kind of go through this a little bit tonight. So um, yeah, hold on. I'm not sure how organized this will be because I have just a, a, a flash of thoughts going through my head right now. Holy Spirit does that to me. And you know, you would, you would hope that the Holy Spirit would give you like one thought and another and another that would be a train of thoughts that would make sense. But that's not how it works. It's just like he opens a can of Holy Spirit and it just starts coming out. And so here we go. Um, one of the big things that changed with Jesus and him dying on a cross and being our sacrifice, right? Right. We, we have to understand our condition. This is like the very, very first thing. I saw a guy on, on uh, Facebook, I think. And uh, he explained it this way. He was, he was great. He's in his car and he's just, you can tell he just had this thought. He says, people get our condition wrong. He goes, look at it this way. It's as if you're on a, a cruise liner, Titanic, whatever, and it, it sinks and everybody's going to die. Yet a boat comes and offers to rescue you. And you either get in the boat or you say, no, I'm going to drown. Right. He says, that's our condition with God. Every one of us falls short of the glory of God. Every one of us is unrighteous. There's not one righteous, not one. Not one of us deserves to go to heaven. 
doesn't matter how good you are or how good you think you are. It doesn't matter how much work you do. It doesn't matter, you know, how much change you've made. None of us are worthy of a holy God because we rebel. Okay. Now, I, I, I'm the first to, to argue and, and say, it's just not fair. I was born sinful. I mean, what did I do? I guess I got born. It wasn't even my decision to be born. But I'm sinful. And if you, James says it perfectly. He says, if you've broken one part of the law, you've broken it all. Right? And this is, this is the reality. If, if you've had one lustful thought, you've committed adultery. If you've stolen one piece of candy when you're a kid, you're a thief, right? You broke the law. If you um, have had has said one uh, called, what is it? Raka is the word. It's kind of like idiot or fool. If you've said that about anybody, uh, you broke the law, right? Uh, every one of us has fallen short. And if you break one piece of it, you've broken it all. Trust me. Trust me. You've broken more than that. Pretty much every day you rebel against God in some way or another. We all do, right? Because in our flesh, we are sinful. We don't want to do it God's way. We want to do it our way. I always tell people sin is selfishness. It's in, in, in the sense that we want to do what we want to do. And uh, God says, I have a better way for you. Do it my way. And we tell God, and do it our own way. And so the, the, the very foundation of what you have to understand about the cross is there was nothing we can do to bridge the gap between us rebelling against God to reconcile that relationship. There's no way you can say, oh, I'm really sorry, because you're going to keep on sinning. You're going to keep on doing it. You're going to keep on rebelling. Okay. So Jesus on the cross bridged the gap because one of the big things that Jesus did was he reconciled man and God. It says in scripture that Jesus died for the sins of the world the sins of the world. So the big piece is where we were enemies of God before, right? We hated what God stood for and what he wanted, even though we would say, you know, we love you, blah, blah, blah. And this is why scripture says, your lips praise me, but your hearts are far away, right? Jesus fixed it. He said, look, you guys cannot reconcile with God. There has to be a payment and a, uh, a consequence for your rebellion. And there's nothing you can do to make that payment. So Jesus dies on a cross to make that payment. And what happened is this, that the John 3.16 piece, those who believe unto him, those of us who believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, he is our Lord and Savior, those of us who believe that, are reconciled in relationship to God. Well, that has massive implications. Because what it means is God doesn't look at you as a sinner anymore, right? It says in scripture that I'm going to make your uh, uh, sins as far as the east is from the west. I'm not going to remember your sins no more. It talks about it all in the Old Testament. We know in the New Testament that we're seen as saints, that we're glorified, we're holy in the sight of God because of Jesus. And, and I want you to think about that for a second. So here we are today, let's say it's Friday. How many of you sinned? Raise your hand. Uh, raise your hand. I'll put my hand right here. Uh, how many of you sinned today? I did. Did you? I know you did. Don't lie to me. Every one of us sinned today, somehow or another. And, you know, if you haven't today, the day's still young. So when you think about that and you go, oh, God's going to be so mad at me. No, he's not. Because Jesus already died for that sin. 
He died for the sins of the world. Now, there's some argument in, in uh, uh, messianic in the messianic Jew community that no, Jesus didn't die for future sins. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Was he got to die over and 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 over again? No, died once for all is what Scripture says. So when God looks at you, He's not mad at you. He loves you. He Jesus died for your sins. You're covered. And that's why when, when Paul says, I got a thorn in my side, a messenger for Satan, I can't get over this. I've pleaded three times with the Lord to, to take it away from me. I do the things, I don't do the things I want to do. I, I do the things I don't want to do. He's talking about a sin. He's got something habitual he's doing. He can't get over it. And God says, my grace is sufficient. I got you covered. Jesus died for you. You're all right. Think of the implications of that in your life for a second. Because what it really means is there's no guilt. There's no shame. There, there's, there's none of that. And then you're probably thinking, well, why do we have to confess our sins then? And why do we have to repent? Well, here's why. God wants you to own what you own. He wants to make sure you understand this, that, you know, every time you sin, you should just understand how badly you need Jesus. Because without Jesus, you're guilty of that sin. You're still in rebellion to God. You're not reconciled to him. You don't have the covering of, of Jesus' blood. You are not part of God's family at that point because you are still rebelling against God. And you're going to be judged instead of on Jesus' righteousness, you're going to be judged on your own and you don't have any. So when when we screw up, we go to God and say, ah, oh, man, I did it again. I can't believe it. I'm, I'm doing the things I don't want to do, just like Paul. And God says, my grace is sufficient. You know, thanks for thanks for owning it. Let's work on this, right? He's not mad at you. He, 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 because Jesus reconciled us to himself. And that is a major thing because that leads to this next piece. Okay. Your walk with God isn't about your performance. Your walk with God is not about your performance. And the reason I say that is, look, if it were about your performance, well, we'd all suck, wouldn't we? We, we would all fall short and suck, and we would still be judged based upon our sinful nature. We still would fall short of the glory of God, and we would never get there. We'd never get there. You're not being judged on your performance. You're being judged on your faith. It's almost as if before the law. Remember Abraham? Abraham screwed up a couple times, right? Told told people his wife was his sister and you know kind of gave her away and um, uh, because he was afraid for his own life. But it says in Scripture that that. Abraham was considered righteous because of his faith. It, it was all about faith. It wasn't about the law. It wasn't about meeting the criteria of the law. That came later. Abraham was righteous because of his faith. We've gone back to that original model of we are righteous in the sight of God because of Jesus. Because of what he did to reconcile us with God. So when God looks at you, he's not like, Oh man, Tom, you did it again, you knucklehead. What, what are you thinking? Dumbass, what are you doing? He's not doing that. He's going, look, we're wrestling with this. It's okay. It's about your faith. I want you to hate your sin. I want you to fight your sin. I understand you're in the flesh, but I see you as one of my children who is holy and righteous. You're a saint. That's what scripture says. Now, I get it. When I look in the mirror, I don't see it either. But, you know, because of Jesus, it, it is what it is. So if you're out there, and there's some people I've talked to this week that have had this issue, thinking that you've got to change for God in your own power 
because your performance is lacking, you're wrong. That's not how change happens anyway. Because John's not looking at your performance. He's looking at your faith in Jesus. And if you're still in your sin, like Paul was, like all of us are, his grace is sufficient as you work to overcome those things. So if you're someone out there that, that's really struggling with your performance, right? Um, I tell this story sometimes. Uh, God, you know, God's okay with you. Let me tell this story. So I got this guy that comes into a Bible study, walks into it. Uh, I've been teaching a Bible study at that point for about seven years. This guy comes off the street and on a Wednesday night and joins us. Well, after the, after the study, he says, hey, can I talk to you? I said, sure. And he says, uh, I have homosexual tendencies. I said, okay, <laughs> you know, what are you doing about it? He says, well, I hate it. I fight it. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get counseling. I said, great. Good for you. God loves you. It's great. You're, you're fighting your sin. You hate your sin. Just the same way I hate my sin. And I'm trying everything I can do to not do my sins. And so, you know, we have a great talk, an encouraging talk, and he leaves. And I don't see him. I don't see him for three, four weeks. And then he comes back. And he says, can I talk to you? I said, sure. So after the class, he said, I, I fell. I fell. And I said, okay, what did you do about it? Well, I went to God and I asked for forgiveness and um, I'm repenting and I'm doing everything I can to, to you know, stay away from that. And, and I said, great. Now, some of you might be surprised by that. Doesn't the scripture say that homosexuals are going to hell? You know, yeah, but understand the context. If you read about all of that, who's going to hell and who's going to heaven stuff, it's the unrepentant. It's those who are not fighting their sin, but embracing it. It's not the believers who are sinful and covered by Jesus's blood, who are fighting like crazy against their sin. It's those who are unrepentant that reject God's ways and say they're going to do it their own way. And they don't really need, you know, Jesus's covering. They don't need the blood of Jesus over them. Right? And this guy got it. I mean, this guy got it. He understood what God's moral law is. You don't do that. And, and it doesn't matter. Any sexual sin outside, you know, any sexual out, sexuality, excuse me, outside of marriage is sin. So he understood it, whether it's homosexual, heterosexual, bestiality, I don't care what you're doing. You don't do it. And so he got it. He understood it. And I'm proud of the guy. He fought like crazy. And he was really, really struggling. And it wasn't a matter of he was struggling with his identity as a homosexual. He was struggling with his impulses to act on it. And God bless him for that. You know, God bless him for that. I, I thought he was doing great. And because and he understood that his performance was not what's at stake here in, in God's view. It was his faith. Because those of you that point the finger at other people's performance, and I know you're out there, take this... Take the log out of your own eye before you take the speck out of somebody else's. As you judge somebody else, it'll be judged to you. So if you're the guy out there or the gal out there pointing the finger at the, at the, at the Christian who's gay, who's fighting like crazy not to act on their impulse, and you're judging, 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 they shouldn't be in our church, we hate them, blah, 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 we're kicking them out of their family, whatever you're doing. Well, guess what? That's how God's going to judge you. And he's going to look at your sin life and say, should I judge you the same way? You sin on this thing all the time. Should I just kick you out? Should I just judge you and marginalize you? And, and, and you see where I'm going here? That's not how this works. Or as those as that commercial says, that's not how any of this works. How it works is this. We are all covered, those of us who are believers, by the blood of Jesus. 
And so your performance has been judged by the blood of the cross. <laughs> Jesus died because of our performance. Okay. And the reason I can say that is this. God knew your name before you were born. He created you in your mother's womb. From the beginning of time, he knew when he was going to create you and he knew everything about you. He's omniscient. He knows everything. It's not like you're surprising him with anything you're doing. And Jesus still died for you. That's a pretty big statement, isn't it? That's, you know, think about all the dumb stuff you've done. Jesus already died for you. Okay. So the first part about the cross, and I've spent a little time on it, but it's such an important part. You're going to go back and forth in life. You're going to take two steps forward, a step back, five steps forward, two steps back. Right. And your performance at times is going to really, really suck. And you got to understand that it's not affecting your relationship with Jesus. It's not affecting your salvation. Now, I'll tell you what it is affecting, okay? Let's just be honest. You have consequences on this earth for your for your actions. So let's say, um, let's go back to my homosexual friend. He's fighting, fighting, fighting at fighting. He doesn't act his impulse. He's doing great, but he's not going to Bible studies. He's not doing the church things, and he gets around the wrong crowd. Bad company corrupts good character, and he falls. What's the consequences? Well, he feels like crap, right? Emotionally, it's it's death to you. Um, you you feel as if you you let God down because you've not done what he's wanted to do and you've been selfish, right? Uh, it could have health issues, concerns, and that's that's any kind of any kind of sex, especially unprotected sex. Um, you know, there's all sorts of things that can happen worldly. You could lose friends, you could lose family. There's all sorts of things worldly that can happen. So there are consequences for your action. That's not what I'm saying. There aren't consequences for it. And I will tell you that that your works get judged. So perhaps you lose some blessings in heaven, not salvation, not your friendship with Jesus, not, not God's love. But in terms of what God wants to give you in terms of your rewards, that could suffer a little bit. So there are consequences, but not the consequences people think. Not that, you know, you, you have a bad day and you sin or, you, you, you know, you get back involved in something, whatever. And you're like, oh, God must really hate me. He doesn't even want to have a relationship with me. I'm, and then you, then you cut him off and, and Satan says, yeah, you're right. You shouldn't even talk to him. You know, how can you go before the throne when you're such a dirty rag? <laughs> and that's where Satan wins, right? Because you don't even go to the Father. Because you think you're being judged on your performance. And you're not being judged on your performance. You're being judged on your faith. Now, what does faith lead to? Okay, this is this is this is how you, how the, the argument goes. As you grow in your faith, you will have transformation in your life because we are new creations in Christ. We are born again. The Holy Spirit is indwelt in us. And as your faith in God increases, as your trust in him increases, as your relationship with Jesus gets better because you get to know him better, not just by reading the Bible and praying, but by doing other studies, the more you know, the stronger you get, and the more the Holy Spirit can transform your life so you don't even want those sins anymore. You have no impulse for those sins anymore. That's how this game works. And so you got to get away from this idea of being chained to performance. And it's hard because everything in this life is about performance. So uh, the first thing that Jesus did when he died for us, obviously, is, you know, he covered our sins. But he changed it from being a performance-based, meet-the-standard criteria to a faith-based, relational um, understanding of, our, of, of religion. So... The law, you know, you'll read about this in scripture, the law, this is, this is the Jewish law. You got the Ten Commandments and everything that flowed through there for, in the Jewish culture. 
the law, uh, as Paul said, only brings death. And the reason was no one could meet the criteria of the law. You could not meet the standards of the law because the law was, um, you know, super, 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 super strict. And Jesus said that if you even thought about a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery. He was like, you've heard it said this. I tell you this. And because he was saying, you all need a savior. Not one of you can be righteous under the law. There are people in Jesus time who said, you know, I'm completely righteous because I've never broken any of the law. It's like, and Jesus is like, are you kidding me? If you even thought this stuff, you broke the law. How can you say you're righteous in, in your own power with the law? The law doesn't bring salvation. The law only brought death because you could not, you could not meet all the criteria of it. And, and, and what Jesus was really saying, everybody needs a savior. Everybody is in the water drowning. Jesus is on the only lifeboat. Do you want to get in the boat or not? And that's what Jesus was saying. And, and back in his day, the religious leaders were like, we don't need you, Jesus. We have the law. We have Moses. Well, you've broken the, I mean, you killed him. <laughs> you committed murder. It was premeditated. You broke the law. And if you, and if your criteria of, of, of salvation is the law, you blew it. And, and it was certainly wasn't the first time because they lied and they cheated and they stole and it was just horrible and they treated people badly and, and but they didn't get it because they were self-righteous. And I think it's such a big deal. And I'm spending a lot of time on it because in my conversations this week, there have been some people that really just didn't, don't understand that, that, um, God's not really looking at their performance. God's looking at their faith. And as their faith grows and they allow the Holy Spirit to transform them, their sin life will change. Right? But like Paul, we're all, we all have thorns in our sides. And God's grace is indeed sufficient if you're you know, doing what God wants you to do, which is going to them, having conversations with them, wrestling with it, hating your sin, doing all the stuff the scripture says, because that's what's best for you. And understanding your position in heaven. You're a citizen of heaven, right? You're an heir to the throne. You're a son and daughter of the most high. That's what Jesus gave you on that cross. And so you can live a life of freedom. Doesn't it say, uh, yeah, you know, know the truth and truth will set you free? Well, the truth is that Jesus died for your sins. He reconciled you to God. And that truth will set you free from the bondage of the law, the bondage of shame, the bondage of guilt, the bondage of being unrighteous. Isn't that cool? <laughs> I think that's the coolest thing. Um, because you can live a little bit more freely in terms of understanding that, you know, even when you screw up, and we all do, God loves you and that, you know, you, you can, you can come back from that. Now I don't want you to think again, there are consequences for your actions. Let's say you're an addict. Um, uh, we always use uh, like drug addicts. Let's, let's use alcohol this time. Let's say you're, you're uh, struggling with alcohol and, uh, um, you know, you, you bounce back and forth on and off the wagon. There are consequences, right? Not just health consequences because you're drinking and getting hung over or whatever. Um, but you can lose family members because of your actions. You can lose a job. You can lose finances. You, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff you can lose by doing that. There are consequences for um, not doing what God says. And if you're drinking too much, you know, Scripture says, don't drink unto drunkenness. It's just very clear. Don't do it. And if you're an alcoholic, um, as hard as it is, don't act on those impulses. Allow the Holy Spirit to transform you in a way that, uh, you know, God's grace can be sufficient for you. So, so. 
we're all going to struggle. Again, a step forward, two steps back, three steps forward, you'll go months and months and months and be doing pretty well. And then boom, you know, something will happen and you'll fall and do whatever. And then you dust yourself back off and you regroup and you do it again. That, that's what God, that's what God loves. God loves his, his, uh, his warrior uh, people who, who like get knocked off the horse and dust themselves off and get back on a horse. That, that's what we're called to. So I, I, that, that's the very first thing that is really, really, really important. Um, I'm looking at some notes here I made earlier that uh, are giving me some ideas of what I want to talk about next. Oh, this is a good one. So when when Jesus died on the cross, we say that he overcame death and he beat Satan, okay? Uh, you got to go back to Genesis 3 to understand what that all means. So, so when Satan... Uh, the serpent comes to Eve and tells her, surely you won't die if you, eat, if you eat of the fruit. And she eats of the fruit and her eyes are open and she knows the difference between good and evil. And sure enough, she didn't, she didn't just keel over. Well, she had spiritual death. And um, that was what God was talking about. Surely you will die. You will die spiritually. And all of a sudden they became sinful and you know, how, you know the rest of the story. Well, today, Satan's still trying to play the same game, right? Trying to convince you that... You should be like God. You should make your own decisions and not listen to him because you know better. You should sit in the judgment seat and judge, judge others because you know better than God. And all the things he tries to do is you should be God. You should be your own God. Um, and by doing that, you're going to have spiritual death. What Satan says is you're going to be like God, just like you did in the garden. I mean, it's the exact same argument. It's amazing. People fall for it. But... What, what we understand is, through the blood of Jesus, we have authority over that now. See, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and under, on, our, on earth. All authority has been given to Jesus. And he's given us some of that authority, hasn't he? Right? Doesn't scripture talk about how we can rebuke Satan and he will flee? Doesn't it talk about how um, we have authority over, over our domain here? Now, it doesn't say that this world, this world, the culture and all, all the things in it, the unbelievers, are going to make our life pleasant. We know that the church went through persecution. We know that the church was corrupt as heck in a certain period of time. We know that men are evil. Men, who, especially men that don't abide by God, are evil, right? And, um, you know, if you don't love your brother, the truth's not in you. And we see a lot of people not loving other people. And the truth is not in them. Jesus isn't in them. But we've overcome the enemy. Not only do we have spiritual life now, because Jesus overcame that, we can have spiritual life through the power of the Holy Spirit in us. We don't die spiritually. We are alive spiritually. But we have eternity. We have eternity. Go to, go to Revelations 21-22 and read about how the new Jerusalem comes down and it tells about its size and what it's going to do. And then there's you know the new heavens, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, and how we in our, our uh, imperishable resurrected bodies are, are put back on the new heaven or the new earth. And it's Eden. It's perfect. It, it's perfect. Perfect love, perfect, perfect understanding, perfect everything. And it's the way God intended it to be. We've overcome death. We've overcome spiritual death. We've overcome physical death. We've overcome the enemy completely. Completely. We win. Yay. Now, now think about your life for a second. 
how how many of you and maybe i've just had a weird week but but a lot of people are, are having a real struggle right now and i don't know if it's covid or you know whatever's going on people are struggling and and i and i go i'm in a couple weeks ago or a week and a half ago or whatever it was i i was struggling too i get discouraged um i'm like everybody else but you gotta you gotta look forward to your eternity i mean this is why jesus said keep your eyes on heavenly things you're gonna have trouble in this world but keep your eyes on heavenly things um when I think about the new heaven, the new earth, the idea that it's going to be perfect, there's perfect justice. Everyone's going to get what they earned. Let me say that again. Everyone's going to get what they earned. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to get what you earned by being a follower of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you're going to get what you earned through your own righteousness. It just, that's the way it's going to be. All your works are going to be put to fire. The works you did for Jesus are, are going to be uh, gems, and you're going to get to give them to him. The stuff that you didn't do for Jesus is going to burn up. That That's just the way it is. Um, when, you, when you look at those kind of things and think, yeah, it's all going to be okay. It's all, it all is going to work out. No matter how much this life stinks, it's all going to work out. And uh, um, you got you got to have that mindset that we overcame the enemy. And that we won not just the battles, but the war. Because that's what we have to look forward to. That gives us hope. That you know, That's the thing that when you're down can, can lift you back up and be encouraging to each other. And that's why as Christians, we've got we to gotta keep focused on that. We've we got to help each other see that. We've got we to gotta lift each other up because we get down and, and uh, you've got, you got to help your brother and sister. Now, I, I've got a, a guy I was talking to this week who is really in a bad position. He's a believer. But he's convinced God hates him and that, um, you know, his life has been really hard. And I kind of leave it at that. He just doesn't feel like God listens to his prayers and those kind of things. And I've been trying to be an encourager, but it's really, really hard because, uh, you know, his, his reality is hard. I mean, it's reality. And scripture even addresses it. I, I forgot to tell him about this, but scripture addresses this. What if you're a person who is like Lazarus? Remember the story of Lazarus and the rich man? They both, both die. Lazarus is a beggar outside the rich man's gate and, and the rich man's living a great life, but they both die. And, the, and Lazarus ends up uh, with Abraham and uh, in what in that Old Testament kind of idea was Abraham's bosom, which was called paradise. And the rich man ends up in hell. And uh, it was interesting because as Jesus is telling this parable, he says, Lazarus never had anything good on earth. But he's, he's with Abraham for eternity, which was, you know, a big deal. I want to go back to the point where he said Lazarus had nothing good on earth. There are people that don't have anything good on earth. And maybe that's hard for you to believe because, you know, your life situation has been such where you have been blessed and, you know, you've, you've got things. But there are people out there who have not been blessed. And for whatever reason, I don't, I don't understand it. Only God knows, um, whose life have been kind of a life of Job, if you will. But at the end of the day, because of their faith, they end up with Jesus for eternity. And scripture deals with this fact that you could be someone who just has nothing good in your life on this earth because this earth is, is fallen. But Jesus has overcome the world, he says, right? You're going to have trouble in this world, but have, but take heart. I have overcome the world is what Jesus says. So even if you're someone who's, you know, just feels like you've just had a really, really bad life and you got dealt a bad um, hand of, of cards here, understand that this world is, is fleeting. 
and it may seem long to you. I know there are days that seem long to me, but it goes fast. And, you know, you are going to have an eternity with Jesus. And he's overcome all of this world stuff. And it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be Eden. Because Jesus died on a cross to bridge that gap so you could have that. You know, I always tell people, you know, why did Jesus go to the cross? Because he wants to spend eternity with you so badly that he died for you. And that, that's as simple as I can make it. And so when, when you're thinking about what did Jesus do on the cross for me, other than, you know, all the, all the churchy stuff you hear, well, think about the reality of this, this world sucks sometimes, right? You can have, you can have hard, hard things. Um, people are, I mean, think about the Bible. People betray you. People lie to you. People use you. Uh, you can't count on anything in the world to be consistent. You can lose all your money. You could be homeless. You can um, lose all your friends like, like Job did. They can turn on you and gossip in the social media atmosphere. All this crap can happen. You can be canceled in this culture. Uh, I think that's hilarious. Um, you know, all sorts of stuff could happen to you. And not one of it matters. Not one of it matters once you understand the truth of Jesus. The truth that it's not about this world. It's about the next one. And so you can, you can have struggle, but you've overcome the enemy, even though the enemy may be pounding you in this, in this life, just like he did Job. You may be just being crushed. But I want you to think about the, the uh, apostles for a second. Think about Paul and everything he went through. Think about you know how every one of the uh, of the disciples was martyred except John, and John was just tortured. Right? Jesus was killed, and he said, "Look, no no student or follower is higher or better than his master. If they're willing to do it to me, they're going to do it to you. If Satan's going to attack Jesus, the Son of God, he's going to attack you." So don't be surprised by that. We talk about suffering, glorifying in our suffering. Peter talks about, you know, why are you even surprised you're suffering? Of course we're suffering because we're not of this world. The world's going to hate us because they hated Jesus. We're not like the world. We're not going to acquiesce to the world. And so it's going to hate us. And Jesus says, that's okay. Be hated in this world because in the next world, you are perfected. And sometimes it's hard on a day-to-day -day basis to go, I'm going to buy into that. But when you do, it makes your current suffering not worth thinking about, as Paul said. Paul says, I don't really think about my current suffering because I'm thinking about what happens next. And so that's another thing Jesus did on the cross. We, we don't have to worry about tomorrow. We don't have to worry about all the crap that's going on around us. What we have to worry about is making sure that we're doing what the Lord has created us to do. Whatever that ministry is, whatever you're created to do, do that regardless of the results and consequences. Just do what you're supposed to do and look forward to the next world. Man, it makes, makes life really simple. And that's what Jesus did. He simplified things for us, right? So you're not, you're not under the idea of performance. It's not about your performance, it's about your faith. And man, you can take a lot of pressure off yourself by thinking about what comes next, not about this world and giving it value that it doesn't have. Apparently, my puppies want to enjoy our conversation tonight, too, as they're out there barking and playing. Um, I'm looking at my little note here to see. Oh, I, you know, this is an interesting one. I'll, I'll just tell you, tell you this. In, in transformation, 
Uh, and this is the big thing. This is the miracle, the, the, the miracle that happened with me. Uh, in transformation, one of the things is you get to actually learn how to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you and uh, uh, not judge and turn the other cheek and bear with other people and have long suffering. You know, all that stuff of the Bible that we don't like uh, in, in our flesh. We don't want to do any of that stuff. But because of the transformation of the Holy Spirit, because what Jesus said is, is he had to go in order that, that he can send the counselor, the Holy Spirit to us. He had to die, be buried, resurrected and ascend so that he could hold the, spend us the Holy Spirit, which he did. Right. And one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is transformation. He transforms us. You're a new creation in Christ. The old person's gone. The new has come. And part of that new is you start to see things through different eyes. And so when Jesus died on that cross, one of the things he did for those of us who believe is he changed how we see the world. Hopefully you see it through, Je through Jesus' eyes. And one of the things that happens is you start loving people. Now, my own story is just remarkable because I hated people. Uh, I have a bad background in abuse and those different things and trust issues and all sorts of stuff. And people, people suck. And I was in a place before I, my awakening where uh, individually I could take or leave you, but as a group, I wanted nothing to do with people. They, they were not trustworthy. They would betray you in a second. Um, they would hurt you. They would abuse you. They would uh, take advantage of you. They'd steal from you. I mean, that's just my experience in life. And you had to know me back in the day to know how visceral that was for me. It wasn't just a, a mindset. It was a visceral hate of people. And God changed that. And it was remarkable. It was one of those, you know, sometimes God changes things over time or sometimes, you know, there's a, there, there is a, uh, uh, less of a miraculous change. It's, it's, you learn, you go, oh, I learned something. Now I think differently. Now this was a miraculously one day. I think this, the next day, I think that. And the next day was, I love people. I could have agape in my heart. I could care. I could have compassion. I could actually be vulnerable and transparent. I could be with people without getting my feelings hurt. Um, I could, I could not judge. I could bear with people that were um, challenging, what I call the extra grace required folks. Uh, it was miraculous. And that's one of the things the Holy Spirit does because of what Jesus did. He will change you. He will transform you. Now, here's the problem. Most people are fearful of transformation. I know I was because I didn't understand it. But if, if Jesus was sitting in front of you right now instead of me, and, and you're talking with him, and he says, look, do you want to be more like me? Your answer would be, well, yeah, Jesus, of course. He goes, do you trust me? And you're like, mm. <laughs> let's just be honest. But he's sitting in front of you, so you're going to say, yes, I trust you, I trust you. Oh, my gosh, I'm overwhelmed. Okay, let me, let me change you the way I, I see you. Would you let him do it? Of course you would. He's sitting right in front of you. You believe. I mean, you're overwhelmed. Well, this is the same. You got the Holy Spirit inside of you, <laughs> inside of you. Okay. And he's saying, hey, do you trust me? I can change you into the likeness of Jesus. I can get you closer. Do you, you want to do that? I can do that right now. And many, 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 many Christians say no, because they're fearful. One, they're fearful of what that's going to look like. Two, um, they don't think they need it. I mean, a lot of Christians that have plateaued and think they've made it. And that's kind of a, you know, relying on your own righteousness thing. It's kind of scary.
there's this old joke that uh, I think I've shared before that said, somebody said, uh, I need the Holy Spirit on Sundays. And the other guy says, I need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. <laughs> That's me. I need the Holy Spirit to, you know, get up in the morning. Um, of course you want to be changed by the Holy Spirit. You know, if you're, if you're following the faith. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. He gave us the Holy Spirit so that we could become new creations in Christ, so that we could be transformed into the likeness of Christ, so that we could take every thought obedient to Christ. So we don't act on our impulses, right? So that we do change our thinking, so that we do see the world the way God does, so that we do love people. And that then we can we can do what James says, which is is show our works. We can actually serve other people because we do care and love and have empathy and compassion, just like Jesus did, because the Holy Spirit has changed our hearts. Because now the the the, the law is as as God says, the law I will write it on their hearts. Because we love God, we won't want to do God-like things. Sometimes I joke, and you've probably heard me say, everyone wants to be a Christian until it's time to do Christian things. Actually, it's Christian stuff. And uh, I think it's true. I think everyone likes this Christian idea until it's, it gets hard. Until the crucible happens where you have to sacrifice yourself on the altar of our faith. Right? Romans 12 says, become a living sacrifice. It says to be first, you got to be last. You know, you're supposed to be a servant, not a, you know, in order to lead. You, you, you've got to, um, um, you know, be somebody who's willing to put everybody else ahead of yourself. And those are hard things. And in our flesh, without the Holy Spirit, we can't do any of that stuff. In our own power, we can't do anything. So this is another thing that Jesus did on the cross is he gave you the Holy Spirit so that you can be transformed and you can change, and you can you can be more Christ-like, and then you can serve others the way Christ created you to do. You know, He told God, "Don't take the disciples away; they got work to do." And now we're the and now we're the disciples, right? We got work to do. We got to share the gospel. We got to tell people about Jesus. We got to save as many people, or at least give them an opportunity to be saved as possible. We got to make sure under people understand that Jesus died for them. Now, I know my Calvinist friends are losing their minds right now. Here's the reality. That message is, for some, they're just going to ignore it and reject it. The same way the Jews rejected Jesus. I mean, think about it. The Jewish religious leaders who knew everything about Scripture and, and Messianic prophecy rejected Jesus. <laughs> it's just stunning to me. That's how hard-hearted people can be. <coughs> Excuse me. So you think about this. You will share the message and, and, and people will reject it. Jesus says, my people hear my voice, right? My sheep hear my voice. The elect, as scripture calls it, will hear the message. But like Paul, Paul says, how are they going to hear if someone doesn't preach? And how is somebody preaching if they don't go? And so we've got to go. We've got to go preach. And we've got to go share. We've got to go help. And we've got to go do all this stuff. And only through the power of the Holy Spirit can you do that. That's another thing that Jesus did on the cross for us was gave us not only that power through the Holy Spirit, but that authority to go do it. That's pretty cool. Because now we're the disciples. I'm looking at my list here. Um, how about this one? This is a really good one. Let me take a sip if you don't mind. Mm, that's good. A plug for that ice uh, flavored water drink. That's really good stuff. 
The black cherry is the best, by the way. How about this one? When, when Jesus died on the cross and reconciled us with God, it meant you didn't need an intercessor to go to God in prayer and have direct communion with him. See, before you needed a high priest. You needed a sacrifice system. You needed to, you know, spill the blood of an animal to, to atone for your sin. Not, not, you know, not salvation, but atone for your sin. In, you know, the Catholic Church and, and those liturgical churches, sometimes they'll talk about having uh, the, you have to go to confession and tell a priest because he's the intercessor. We don't need that. That's that, that Jesus said that he's your intercessor. He's your high priest. And so think about this for a second. Jesus died for your sins. He ascends to heaven after his resurrection, right? He sits at the right hand of the Father, and um, he intercedes for you. So as you go and talk to God in your prayers, you can go do that directly. God hears every one of your prayers, and Jesus is intercessing for you. Now, the other intercessing part is Satan is, is, is trying to accuse you before God every moment. And Jesus says, no, that one's mine. Nope, that one's mine. Nope, that one's mine. And you're covered. And this idea that you can go to directly to God in prayer and he hears every single prayer. And he answers every single prayer, by the way. Only happened because of Jesus. Because before, um, you were an enemy of God. You were rebelling against him. You are doing everything against him. And then you would go to prayer. That didn't, that didn't work. Right? And that's why he had that sacrificial system saying, no, no. You need to understand the cost of what you're doing here. Now, I'm a son of God. I can go to him anytime I want. I can, I can call him up any, any moment. I can talk to him constantly. And so you got you to gotta just really just really think about that because that's another thing Jesus did on the cross was gave us complete access to the Lord. Now, uh, some people I deal with say, well, God doesn't answer my prayers. Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe you think that. But God does. And sometimes he doesn't answer them the way you want. Uh, some people think that because God didn't answer a prayer a certain way, that he hates them and he's abusing them. Because maybe you've been through something. I'll, I'll give you an example from my own life. So as a kid, I went through child abuse. And I prayed to God that uh, it would stop. And it didn't stop. Was God then mean to me? Did God hate me? Was he causing that abuse? No. This other person had free will and they were being a jerk. And... Um, you know, that wasn't God's fault. That was that person's fault. Everyone's responsible for their own sin, right? Um, and God couldn't answer that prayer without taking that other person's free will away. Now, when I look back, did he intercede? Yeah, I can tell you how he interceded. That's another story for another time. But, yeah, I mean, you you got to understand that God listens to every prayer. But you can't be so selfish to think that God only listens to your prayer within a vacuum of everything that's happening within the whole the whole process. Right. Um, there have been things that have happened to me where I prayed for stuff and God said no. And he would hit me with the holy two by four and I would have terrible things happen. Partly because of my own consequences, partly because God was allowing things to happen because he's trying to get my attention because I wasn't doing the right stuff. Even though I thought I was doing the right stuff. Right. So, I mean, th this, this idea that God doesn't hear your prayers, it's not accurate. Or God doesn't answer your prayers. It's not accurate. Do you interpret how he answers your prayers accurately? Sometimes no. And so you gotta you gotta think about that one. Are you really interpreting God's uh, answers to your prayers within the biblical structure?
you know, you gotta go back to the Bible and say, who is this God? What does he do? Why is he, why is he allow this stuff? Right. And if you get confused by that, read, read, uh, guys like C.S. Lewis, read people like, uh, Tim Keller, right. Read, uh, uh, Francis Chan, go, go, go educate yourself. Um, go, go read some smart people and, and see what they say about it. But I'll tell you, I'm, I'm super happy, uh, as a follower of Christ that by dying on the cross, I can go directly to the Lord. I can go directly to God, the Father, and say, hey, I'm struggling. I need something. I can go to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, you, you know exactly how I'm feeling. Can you, can you help me out here? I can go to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, man, can you change me? I'm just really struggling here, right? I can do that directly, all because of Jesus dying on a cross. And so that, that's an important, important thing he did. All right. Um, I'm going to go to another one. Oh, I like this one from Romans 8.1. Uh, it says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the, there's a big piece of this and a, and a drill down piece of this. The big piece is obviously you're not, you're not going to be judged and go to hell because, you, you know, you, you're in Christ. We talked about that a little bit. But the, but the drill down piece is this. When, you, when you're not condemned, what people say about you has no value. Because the only value out there is what Jesus says about you. Okay? So people get it wrong. Even well-meaning people, even Christians in the church, they get it wrong. They will tell you things that are judgmental and value-based that cut against what Jesus says about you. So you're not condemned by God for your actions and sins and all those type of things, but you're also not to listen to people that tell you things that, you know, about you that condemn you in a certain way when it's not the truth of Jesus. And so let me give, give you a, uh, an example. Um, you can be someone who is struggling with something and people can just say, you're an ex, you know, you're this, that, or that. I'll give you a perfect example. When you go to AA meetings, they say, uh, you know, I'm Tom and I'm an alcoholic, blah, blah, blah. I hate that. I think the program's awesome, by the way. So if you're an alcoholic, get to AA. But I hate the idea that they label you as an alcoholic all your life. No, you're not. That means you're not redeemable. You're a child of God. You don't get to, you don't have to wear that label, right? The label you wear is child of God, who may have an alcohol issue, Right. So, so I, I think you got to be careful with that because labels and all that stuff make, make a difference. When I was a kid, people used to tell me, you're going to be just like your old man. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm a child of God. I'm going to be what God created me to be. I'm not going to be like my old man. Um, so when people condemn you or, or badmouth you or put you down or say things about you, you go, what does Jesus say about me? Is that what Jesus says? Because there's no truth to what other people say about you. The only truth is what Jesus says about you. And Jesus says you're loved. He says you're liked. He says you're free. He says that you're a child of God. He says that you're an heir to the throne. He says you're his friend. He says sometimes I don't like the things you do. I would choose different stuff. And you probably need to stop doing it. The whole, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more, right? I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. You're not condemned. Just stop doing it. Knock it off, right? That's what you got to listen to. You got to listen to what Jesus says, because that's why he died on a cross. 
You died on a cross so you don't have to listen to what other people say about you. You listen to what Jesus says about you. One of the, the things I always try to pound into people's heads when I'm counseling them is, what's the truth? When, when, when you're feeling something, thinking something, someone's saying something about you, whatever it might be, faulty thinking, whatever it is, take that idea and, and juxtapose it against Jesus in Scripture. What's the truth? Because Jesus in Scripture is the truth. Is anything you're thinking, saying, negative self-talk, whatever it is, is it lining up with what Jesus is saying, including the whispers of Satan? What's the truth? And you know the truth. You know? So stop believing in other crap. There's no reason to. That's why Jesus died on a cross. Jesus died for you so you don't have to believe all that other stuff. Believe what he says. So that's another thing he did that's really cool. Um, bum, bum, bum. I'm looking at more stuff here. One of the cool things the Holy Spirit does, again, I talk about Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I, I joke that I'm a Baptocostal. Uh, and I, I met, I was at church yesterday. The guy says, no, no, we're a Methabastocostal. <laughs> I think you could add, add all the, all the different denominations into, uh, into it. Um, one of the things the Holy Spirit does is he continues to reveal truth and scripture to you and reveal Jesus to you. And it's called progressive sanctification. Um, as you grow in the faith and you're, and you're getting deeper and deeper, more and more gets revealed to you as you can handle it and understand it. And it's, there's never an end to your growth. There's never a point in your Christian life where you've made it. Um, I think of an old man, uh, an old old guy that was in our church named Elba, Elba Peelstick. And Elba was just my one of my favorite, favorite people. He was in his 80s, mid-80s, and he was still going to Bible studies. I mean, this guy had been reading the Bible for 65, 70 years. And every morning he read the Bible and he would come to Bible studies and he would do all that stuff in church because he was hungry for learning in the Word. And uh, I was blessed enough to do his funeral when he passed, uh, which was a great celebration of life. And it, it just struck me, I want to be like Elba. I want to be this guy that, that never is done, is, is never done serving, never done learning, never done reading scripture, never done trying to improve myself and transform myself into the likeness of Christ. I'm never done. And only through the Holy Spirit do you get that. And that's another exciting part about what we get from Jesus, from the cross. Um, this is a fun one, too. <laughs> when you uh, have Jesus die on a cross, you become the disciple. You become a follower, right? And you are made clean because of the blood of Jesus, as we say. And there's all songs written about that. Um, you become a light in a dark place. And you get to go out. You have the authority, the power, and, I, I mean, you have the Holy Spirit that Jesus had to raise people from the dead, for goodness sakes. You get to be a light in a dark you get to pour into other people's lives. You get the massive responsibility and blessing to talk to people about how Jesus can change their life. That's an incredible thing. It's awesome. It's awesome. Um, it's awesome. And, and so I, I think that, that, you know, if you're dead in your sins, as the saying goes, meaning that you've not repented and you've not accepted Jesus, your Lord and Savior, and you think your own righteousness is going to save you, um, you don't get to talk into people's lives because why would someone want to be like you? <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> you know, that's why there's so much hypocrisy out there. I mean, look, look at your politicians and all these people, even Christians that claim to be Christians that aren't. 
look at the hypocrisy. They say one thing and do another. Who Are you going to take advice from that guy or gal? Are you kidding me? And, and, and when you do, you get what you get. And you probably get what you deserve for listening to it. Right? But in the Christians, those of us that are truly following the faith and really speaking into people's lives through the power of the Holy Spirit, you're changing lives. I, I mean, what's more cool than changing a life? What's more powerful than that? I mean, think about this. There are going to be people, if you're doing this right, you're going to be people in heaven when you get there and you meet Jesus and you're like, you're, you're done like wetting yourself because you're so excited. And uh, he says, hey, I want you to meet some people that are here because of you. Isn't that the coolest thing? You get to do that because Jesus died on a cross. And he trusts you with the message. <laughs> oh, so fun. So fun. You know, you know about the no more tears and no more pain and perfection that we get in heaven. Um, you know, when you die and all, all the even stuff on earth. Uh, you know, it's so, it's so important to be thoughtful about that in your life. Because it's the only thing that gives you gives you encouragement. I don't know if you're a non-believer. I don't know how you have any hope whatsoever because nothing you do here matters. You're going to be dead. And in two and three generations, you're going to be forgotten and nobody's going to care about you anymore. You're going to be a name on ancestry.com and that's it. And nothing you did mattered. Um, but as a believer, we know that what we did matters. We shared Jesus. And there are people that are going to have eternity in the new heaven and new earth because of what we did. Man, that's 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 a powerful thing. Wow, right? Um, let me just finish with this. Jesus dying on the cross. As as yeah, when I do communion, it's just such a bittersweet thing because I think about my sin put him on that cross. You know, Jesus wasn't killed by the Romans. He wasn't killed by the Jews. He was killed by me. He willingly gave his life. He says, no one takes my life. I give it willingly. But he gave his life willingly because I screwed up. And the thing that happened on the cross was he made me whole. Before, I was just floating around this world and... and uh, you know, trying to do my best in my own power and believing the lies of Satan and just trying to survive it, white knuckle it. But through Christ, I live. And I don't just live in this life to serve him and find just incredible joy and have the peace and love and joy and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control of the spiritual fruit. But I live... In eternity and I get that I get to be with Jesus forever that's what he did on the cross and so I hope I hope this message has been a little encouraging maybe you've had a bad week and a lot of people I've talked to this 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 week have had tough times but understand that you know Jesus went the cross for you to take on your sins to make sure you could be holy and righteous before God and there's not one person out there that's not redeemable Everyone can cash in on this. Not everyone's going to do it. As a matter of fact, what? Two out of three aren't? Or less? Right? Less people are going to do that. But it'll be the best investment you ever make in your life. All because Jesus loved you so much 
that he died on a cross so that you could have eternal life. Isn't that the coolest thing? I hope you're having a great Friday night. I hope you have a great weekend. Um, and uh, any questions, as always, go ahead and fire fire me some email uh, or you know hit me up on Messenger or you know type into the sermon notes, whatever. I'll be happy to talk to you about anything, anytime, anywhere. All right, be blessed.